Hey, thanks for downloading this week's podcast from Relevant Church. We are so thrilled and excited to see what God has planned for your life through this message. We know you're going to enjoy it. Sit back, relax. God bless. My name is Pastor AJ, and one of the pastors here at Relevant Church, and I have the amazing, awesome privilege of alongside my beautiful wife, Heather, who's sitting right here. I have the awesome, oh, come on now, that's my wife, come on now. I have the awesome privilege of, with her, pastoring the youth ministry, our junior high and high school students. Um, we've got our next youth leaders right up here in the front row, some of our students here. So... We like to, just a, just a preface before I get to preaching, we like to get loud in youth. Uh, we like to get active. We like to get engaged. We like to get involved. Um, you know, we go to sporting events and we get crazy, but sometimes we come to church and we feel like we have to be reverent. But can I, can I tell you, and if you believe this, say amen, like when we go to, when we get to heaven, the, 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 the culture of reverence in heaven is not so much this, Lord, we beseech you. But it's, it's a little more crazy, it's a little more wild, it's a little more worship, it's praise, it's excitement. So uh, if you believe that, make some noise for the Lord right now. The more responsive you are, the more that you engage, the better I'll preach. I can't guarantee that'll make me preach shorter, I'm not going to say that. Because um, typically I have three or four endings. But, uh, you know, hopefully you get the word. <laughs> That's just the way that it goes. So, uh, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited this morning because I had some, uh, just an awesome weekend, and just, I believe God has given a powerful word that he is going to uh, bless your spirit, that if you get into your spirit, um, it's going to bless you, and um, going forward, this is the part one of a series we're starting called, uh, on the topic of revival. Um, so if you have your Bible, just hold that up real quick. We're going to be talking about revival for the next few weeks. Pastor Jonathan's going to come back and preach, and uh, we have gone global. He is preaching in Australia, so hold that up real quick. We've got some e-Bibles. I'm old school, even though I'm not old school. I like, uh, like having my real Bible. Uh, when, one of the things we do in, in youth is, because uh, we, we believe in getting excited about the Bible. This is not a dictionary. This is not just a, a scientific book of facts and information. But this book has transformed the world. It's changed history. This is a book we get excited about. This book is, book is sold more copies than any other text in the entire world. Second, first, the second book is, is The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren has sold almost as many books to the, uh, copies as the book of the Bible, but it was written about the Bible. So it just goes to show, unless you're writing about the Bible, it doesn't mean nothing. So when we open the Bible, one thing we encourage our students to do, because we want to build a culture of excitement about God's word, is when this Bible opens, we get loud, we get crazy. If you want to throw your hands up, if you want, if you want to do a, a wave from right to left, left to right, back to the front, front to the back, whatever, if you want to do a backflip, please don't do that. We don't have insurance in here. But when we open the Bible, we get excited. So uh, can, can we get excited this morning about God's word? Yeah. All right. So we practice with our students. It helps them be aware. So when this book opens, we get excited. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. I'm going to bring you a little youth ministry culture right now. Yeah. All right. We got Hank doing the wave in the back. <laughs> one more time. One more time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's funny. This, this was a really good morning. Uh, for my family getting ready for church. Uh, typically, it's, well, you know, you, your parents, husbands, and wives, it gets a little hectic in the morning, right? You can go say amen. Your spouse is sitting there. It's okay. And one of, one of the things that gets the most hectic is that sometimes in the morning, it's, it's the whole issue of uh, when do we leave? Actually, this, this doesn't just happen when you're at home, trying to get ready for church in the morning. This just happens with husbands and wives in general when you're trying to go anywhere. It really doesn't matter. It usually happens like this. You're in conversation, especially at Relevant Church. How many of you know you have to say, say goodbye like eight times before you leave? 
like, I say goodbye to people, and, like, 30 minutes later, they're still talking. Like, I'm, I'm trying to leave. But then we just have a culture of family. We like to talk and conversate with each other. But you're, you're trying to leave, and at husbands and wives, you know this. You go to your spouse, and you say, hey, babe, I'm ready to leave. Okay, I'll be, I'll be done in just a second. And then you walk away, and then you come back. Hey, are you ready to leave? Yeah, I'm ready to go. I just need to put my shoes on. And then you walk away, and you're, you're sitting there. You're waiting. Men, you're sitting there. Come on, men. You're sitting there, you're waiting, and then you go back, you're like, are we leaving? And what'd she say? I was waiting for you. Well, I was waiting for you. Well, if you're ready to go, you should have walked out the door. I tried to walk out the door, but you didn't come. So the question becomes, who's waiting on who? Turn to the person next to you and say, who's waiting on who? Then turn to someone else and tell them, I'm waiting on you. Calm down. If that's your spouse, calm down. I can't be held responsible for that. But uh, we're talking about the topic of revival today. And revival is an interesting topic. I grew up in a a very Pentecostal church. And um, so the idea of revival was uh, we would have revival services. We would go to revival services. And someone would get up and and preach and then have a towel and wipe the sweat because it was the anointing. And then they throw it out and someone would catch it. And it was just, it got kind of crazy. We don't do that here at Relevant. Calm down. But it, it, we, the a topic of revival was something that always brought excitement. Like, we're going to have a revival service. We're going so to have a revival preacher. But I always th- thought about that, and it, it seemed it was always like it was orchestrated. And here's what I think. I think that in the church, we have a, a gross misunderstanding of what revival is. And I think we need to transform our definition and modify our understanding of the idea of revival. Because typically revival, uh, we, we, we pray for it, we seek it. God, we want revival. God, please bring revival to our city, to our schools, to our family, to my spouse in Jesus' name. Bring revival. Somebody say amen. Don't say amen to that. Come on now. That was a test. But we, we have this idea of, of revival, and um, I think that our idea of revival is flawed. Because just like in the, when you're trying to go somewhere with your spouse, the question becomes, who's waiting on who? And in regards to revival, I started thinking about this, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, who's waiting on who in this situation? See, because we often will pray, God, please bring revival. God, we want to see revival. God, we want to see you move. But God is up in heaven saying, I've been here the whole time. See, what we often forget is that God is eternal. See, we pray for revival to come, but God's always been there. Because see, the God we worship is the, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. Before Abraham was, he said, I am. Before Adam and Eve, he said, I am. Before anything existed, before creation, he said, I am. Come on, somebody. But often we pray for God to bring revival. And God is in heaven saying, I've been here. I'm waiting on you. If there was a track from heaven for revival... It would sound something like, when you move, I move, just like that. (laughs) Who's waiting on who? And see, I believe the problem is that in our culture, we're spectators. I mean, we we go to a sporting event and we're spectators. We drive by a car accident, and what's the first thing everyone does? Slow down and does this. Because we're spectators. We tend to sit back and watch. And often we treat revival the same way we treat it as a spectator event. 
And see, the problem is you have a, there's two postures, I believe, in regard to our soul. There's a soul reclined. Turn to the person next to you say soul reclined. And there's a soul revived. A soul reclined is what I call the couch potato coach. You know, when the, when it's the Super Bowl, everybody's a coach. Every guy in the room is a coach. <laughs> Pass the ball! No, don't do that! Block the spread! I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't follow football. I'm just saying that. Get the touchdown! Home run! Ah, strike. <laughs> couch potato coaches. And then in church, we have what I call the pew pastors. See, we do the same thing. This doesn't change when we come to church. See, don't have the misconception because irrelevant, it's all about being real. And irrelevant, we know that sometimes we come to church and we do the same thing. Oh, I don't like this song. Why don't they sing that song? Why do they have all those lights? Why is, why is Pastor AJ Brown Pastor Jonathan's jeans? <laughs> I got that coming from like three people today. I did not borrow Pastor Jonathan's jeans. Like, he makes them look good, but I make them look good. <laughs> we have few pastors who, I'm, I'm thankful that in this church I don't see that, but in the church at large, we have few pastors. Well, I think we should have this ministry. Well, I think we should do this. I think we should, I think the pastor should preach different. I, I think he preaches too, I think he reads too much of the text. I think he should, should preach on finances. I think he should preach on marriage. Well, I have this issue. Well, the pastor didn't come and visit me. Well, well, well how come, I mean, I know there's 400 people in the church, but how come the pastor didn't come visit me? Well, the pastor didn't talk to me. Well, I think they should do this. And we sit and we, we want to give instruction to the, to the leadership. But what I believe is that we need to have a soul that's revived. And see, what I believe is sometimes God sits in heaven and he hears our complaints. He hears us, well, God, why don't they do this? Well, God, why don't they, they, do, do, they do that? Why don't they, why don't they, why don't they, why don't they? I think they should. Well, if it was me, I would. And God is sitting in heaven saying, shut up, stand up, gear up, and get in the game. If you feel that something needs to be done, get up and do it. Take initiative. Because uh, here's the thing, a soul reclined are the whingers, the whiners, the complainers. I mean, you show me a, a, a church member, show me a, a Christian who complains and criticizes, and I'll show you a Christian who doesn't serve in church. I'll show you a Christian who doesn't give generously. But show me someone, a believer in church, who is supportive, who's responsive, who is there to volunteer, who is there to help, who pours in, who invests in their church and the mission of God in our city. And I'll show you a Christian who gives generously of their time, their finances, who pours in, who's available, and who honors up, down, and all around. Somebody say amen. amen. And see, here's the, here's the thing, is that revival happens through the church. We often think revival happens to the church, but it happens through the church. But the problem is that we go to, there are so many churches that God has an amazing calling on. They have an amazing vision to reach their city, to reach the people, but they're under-resourced and they're understaffed because we have too many pew pastors, too many couch potato coaches, and not enough people getting up and getting in the game. See, you can look at relevant church, and there are a lot of amazing things going on, a lot of amazing people serving, but if we have a huge calling, we have a big mission, which means we need more people. 
And so when that video plays, and this is, this is can I just be real for a second? Can I? I'm going to do it anyway. There, there are, there's a need. And often, this is the mindset that bothers me that, that I've heard people say. And I, not everyone is meant to serve in a leadership capacity in church, but we're all meant to serve in the church in some capacity, serve the church. Not just relevant, but the church. And what I often hear is, ah, I don't have time. I don't have time to serve. I'm really busy. But the thing that comes to my mind is, what did God save us for? If he didn't save us to serve, if he didn't save us for his purpose, then what were we saved for? What are we here for? Because when I read scripture, when I look at at the gospel, God saves, God calls, God sends. But because of our culture and being spectators, we often act as if God calls or God saves, God calls, and then we just sit. We need people to serve. This is a mission. This is a family. We're all about family, irrelevant, welcome home. It's up here because we believe it's a, this is a family. You're a guest once, but after that, you're family. I know in the youth ministry, we're committed to building a movement of young people that, that takes over our city, that's known for loving Jesus, for loving people. We have amazing women in our, our leadership team. Like, where are the, the youth leader ladies at? But here's what I'll say, church, is I need some strong men. Like, I'm going to make a shameless plug right now. We need people to help us set up. We need people to help all make all this happen. And for youth, I need some men. There's some men in here who you know it's time to step up. All through scripture, you see God calling men, God calling men to step up and lead. We need men. So if you're a man, ask yourself the question, Jesus, do I need to step up? Is it time? Somebody say amen. So God is waiting on his people. But what often happens in regards to revival is we try to duplicate the movement, but we don't duplicate the heart. See, revival is often thought of as, as an event that happens. Well, in the upper room, there was revival. Well, in the, in the, the city of the, uh, Samaria, there was revival. Well, in this city, there's the Jesus movement revival. And there was this, remov- this revival. But I want us to redefine what revival is. So you might ask the question, okay, so Pastor AJ, what brings about revival? Well, what I would say is you're still asking the wrong question. Because the better question is, is not how do we get revival, but what is revival? So open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. <coughs> We're going to look at two sets of scripture. So Psalm chapter 19 and then John chapter 4. So open up to Psalm chapter 19 first. And Psalm chapter 19, when you're there, somebody just give a shout. Oh, come on now. It's, it's only 930, 940. All right. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7. It says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It's funny because Pastor Jonathan, when, he, when I talked to him and he asked me to, to preach this morning, um, he called me later and, and asked me, okay, you know, what are you going to preach on? What, what are your thoughts on the topic of revival? And I share what my thoughts were. And then he gave me one verse. Okay, he gave me one verse. 
If you've ever preached, you know that it's easy to preach from more verses, but your pastor, this man of God, gave me one verse. I went to my wife and I said, he wants me to preach on one verse. And he's like, there's a lot in there. I'm like, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. There's a lot in there. I'm like, he gave me one verse, babe. He gave me one verse. He wants me to preach on one verse. But here's the the amazing thing. If If you study your Bible, what you find is that when you really look at Scripture, there, there is a, a, a plethora of information and wisdom to find. And so I started thinking about this idea of, of soul revival. And I want to preach this morning on the topic soul revival. If you're taking notes, you should take notes because you remember more, you, you, you ingest more. Soul, re, uh, sorry, excuse me, a soul revived. A soul revived. In Psalm 19, it talks about the idea of a soul revived. And I want to touch on what that is, a soul revived. Because the question that I pose is who's waiting on who? And often we look and say, well, God, bring revival. But revival comes through the church. See, here's a few things that, that as I was thinking through this, this topic that, that the Holy Spirit gave to me is that Revival doesn't happen to you, it happens through you. Revival doesn't fall upon you, it bursts forth from within you. Revival isn't a move of God, isn't a move of God's people, it's a move of God, a move in God's people. In Psalm 85, and you can turn there real quick, Psalm 85 it says this, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says, Lord, you are favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again. Somebody say, restore us again. God of our salvation, you put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Verse 6, will you not revive us again? Somebody say, revive us again. That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant your salvation. See, here's the thing is that often we have what I call country club Christians. I have a lot of categories of Christians. We have country club Christians and see, we go, we hang out, we do our Christian thing, we come to church, we receive an encouraging word. But often what, we, what happens, and this is the, the, the case with, the, with Israel, with God's people, is we get apathetic. And see, we begin to treat church, we begin to treat the study of scripture and worship of God like we treat the gym. See, when you go to the gym, at first you're like, you're hyped up. Like, if you're committed, you're hyped up. Like, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to work out. I got my spandex and this outfit that looks ridiculous, but I'm going to work out. And you go to the gym, you're lifting weights, maybe you get a trainer, and then you start to get fit. You're like, I'm looking good. You walk different because you know you look good. Like, you just come up with random poses for your spouse just because. (laughs) Babe, where are the keys? They're over there. But after a while, when you've been going to the gym, what happens is that you stop working hard. You know, I look good now. You know, I lost the weight I wanted to lose. Now I'm just going to maintain. And after a while, you stop pushing. You stop challenging yourself. So you stop growing. And see, this is the same thing that happened with with God's people. 
Because in verse 4 and in verse 6, it says the word again. And then it says the word again. Restore us again. Revive us again. And the idea here is that we often think of revival as a gift of God to a faithful people. But the fact is that when we look at Scripture, a revival is the grace of God to an unfaithful people. And here's why. Because revival didn't come when the people were on fire, when the people were pressing in and seeking God. The revival came when the people turned from their sin after they had gotten apathetic with their faith. Without continual repentance and pressing in, revival stops. And there's always a progression. Is that the people fall away from God, then the people turn back to God and there's revival. The people fall away from God, the people turn back to God and there's revival. The people turn to God, everything's great, worship is great, God is moving, they're being blessed, there's favor, there's healing, and then things start to settle down and all of a sudden, what's going on, God? Where did you go? And God's like, I didn't go anywhere, you left. You stopped pressing into me. And then the people turn back to God. And then God brings revival. Then the people turn away again because they get apathetic. And God brings revival. In John chapter 4, we're going to go there next. Go to John chapter 4. Just put your finger there in John chapter 4. How much time do I have? All right. Okay, we're good. John chapter 4. Because here's, the, here's the, the, the issue I see, is that it's not about revival of the masses. It's about soul revival. Turn to the person next to you tell them soul revival. Come on, say it with some soul. Soul revival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, just my preach this morning. God's people would turn away from him and then turn back and he would bring revival. But here's, here's the thing that I see is that we, we seek the wrong thing. We get apathetic and then we want to see God bring revival to the church, bring revival to our family. But, but I believe that when we look at scripture, what we see is that if people pursue soul revival, daily soul revival, that there would be no need for revival of the whole of God's people. Here's what I mean. I was... I had a really bad week until Thursday. It's just a really rough week. Just a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff not going good, not going well. And I sat down to read my Bible, opened up to the text that I've been studying, just for me, not to preach, just for me. And I sat and I said, Holy Spirit, I just need a word. I just need a word to revive my soul. And see, often we approach Scripture with this idea of, of entertainment, of, of information, of encouragement. Well, God, I just need you to encourage me. Well, God, I just want to read something that that uplifts me and and fills my spirit. And we come to church with the same attitude of, I just need something to uplift me and build my spirit. I just need something to encourage me so I can keep going. But what God is saying, you don't need an encouragement. You need a revival in your soul. Because here's what we see in scriptures. They turned away. God brought revival. But if they didn't turn away, there wouldn't be a need for revival because revival is what the Christian life should be always. We seek something, a fix, a boost, 
But if we were seeking daily soul revival, God, I need a word to revive my soul. God, I need a word to lift my spirit. God, I need a word to keep the fire burning. A fire doesn't die if you keep throwing logs on it. We, we, we build the fire and then we, we get comfortable. We let it die down. We fall asleep and then we pray, God, where's the fire? But Paul says that we're co-laborers with Christ, which means God will always do his part and he's always faithful, but we're not always faithful to our part to keep the fire stoked, to keep the fire burning. Everything we need for life and godliness, everything we need is right here. So why then do we pray for revival? Because we, get un- we become unfaithful and we slack off and we become apathetic and we stop pursuing God. Because the, the fact is that a, a fire that's burning an inferno doesn't need to be built up. It's already going. It just needs to be fed. That's why scripture says my daily bread. See, the idea of daily bread is that daily I get some, daily I'm fed. But we have a lot of Christians in the church that spiritually are limping, spiritually are dead. It's like if you went three weeks without eating and you end up in the ICU saying, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I was happy. And now I'm almost dead. Dead people don't need to, can't, you don't revive living people. You don't, you don't start a fire that's burning. We need daily soul revival. So John chapter 4, starting in verse 6, and this is where we're going to spend the, re, the remainder of the time. It says, Jesus had gone to a city in Samaria, Samaria and went to Jacob's well. And it says in verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And if you don't know the biblical history there, Jews and Samaritans never interacted, and especially men and women. Women were lower class, Samaritans were lower class, so a Samaritan woman, you just never talked to her. So Jesus goes and talks to this woman who he should not be talking to culturally. And it says in verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew, turn to his buddy and say, if you knew. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and their livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, somebody say this water. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Somebody say again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give will never thirst again. The water I will give, the water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then in verse 39, well, we'll hold on. We'll go there in just a second. Here's the idea. Jesus went and asked this woman for water, and she, and she said, well, how do you ask me for water? And he said, woman, if you only knew who I was, if you only knew, you would ask me for living water, and I would give you this water, and you would never thirst again. See, here's the problem is we, we get a lot of, well, we come into church often, and we're thirsty, we're hungry, or we're dry, we're, 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 we're lethargic, we're, we're weary. But what happens is the goal, what the desire of God, the design for our Christian life, for the relationship, was never revival. Revival is not something that God intended. 
The intent was not that we keep going back to the well and drawing water. Well, I'm thirsty now, I'll draw water. It doesn't say that I'm going to put in you a well of water that you can draw from. And we treat it in, in church and our relationship scripture, we draw from it. We're thirsty again, when we draw from it, then we leave, then we draw. But the desire of God was to put a wellspring in you that would spring up from within you where there's no need to draw water again. There's no need to go back. The water's coming from within you. You don't have to go back and get a drink. You're not thirsty anymore. It's better than Gatorade, Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, although I love Dr. Pepper, is better than anything because it's inside you. But, and cream soda, amen. But we often have a mindset of, well, I need to go back to the well and draw. Well, why am I, why, why do I feel so weary? Why do I feel so, feel so dry? Because you haven't tapped into the well, the spring that's within you. Everything in our life, we have to go back. We have to go back and make a meal. Everything fades. Well, I ate, but I'm hungry again. If you're my two-year-old daughter, you're just hungry all the time. See, she gets revival. She's consistent. But what Jesus said to this woman is, you should have no need, no thirst. See, church isn't where we come to get a fix. But being consumers in a consumer culture, that's how we approach church. Man, I hope they play my song. Man, I, oh, I couldn't worship. I didn't like that song. Oh, I didn't worship. I didn't know that song. Ah, the drummer was off. I got to talk to Aaron. Ah, the worship leader was off. You know, ah, you know, oh, so-and-so's preaching. I'm not going to church. We don't come to church to get a fix. This is a hashtag real talk. This is a church, not a crack house. We don't come to get a fix we come to be fixed so we don't have to get a fix. When you come here and you get a taste of Jesus, he puts the well in you so you don't have to go draw from the well because you are the well. Yeah, and then it says in verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed because of the woman's testimony. Say it with me. Because of the woman's testimony. See, there's a progression that happens when your soul is revived. When you've tapped into what the Holy Spirit has imparted in you, when you've tapped into that well and it's springing forth out of you, there's a, something that happens. Soul revived, testimony, revival. Soul revived, testimony, revival. When you look all throughout Scripture, you can look all throughout scripture and you can see this example. The Samaritan woman met Jesus, had an encounter with Jesus. He gave her that, that living water. It was welling up inside of her to where she couldn't contain it. See, understand who this woman was in her city. This was the woman who was, who was an outcast because if you look at, at the, the scriptures between 16 and, and 39, you'll see that the conversation turned to, woman, where's your husband? Well, my husband's not here. And Jesus said, you're right because you have, more, you have several husbands. See, this woman in her town was the town whore. She was the woman who had been divorced and remarried several times, so people knew who she was. And then you have this woman that comes and says, I met this man who told me everything I did, and she testified of who Jesus was, and it says that many people believed. And I love the scripture because when you look at it and you study 
beyond face value, you'll look and see that that word in verse 39, many, is the Greek word paulus, which means many, much, or large. It's the same word that's used in John chapter 6, verse 5, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, and it says a large crowd. It's the same word, meaning that when she went and testified because of what Jesus had done for her, what she'd encountered, many people were saved, not five people, not 12 people, not even 30 people, not even 100. When Jesus fed a large crowd, that same word paulus, the same word paulus, It was 5,000 men and probably 20,000 people as a whole. That same word is used to describe the many Samaritans that believe because of this town whore's testimony. And it says that there was a revival. Hundreds, thousands of people got saved because one woman tapped into the well of living water that caused you to never thirst again, and she shared her testimony. We got a lot of Christians in the church that are coming, well, I need to get, well, I need to receive, well, I need to get. Well, I don't know why, why I just, I'm not encouraged. It's because you're not tapping into the well and you're not giving it away. See, Jesus came to the well and the woman tapped into the well and gave Jesus, see, ooh. <laughs> this, this is Holy Spirit right now because it's not even in my, in my notes. The, Jesus came and the woman tapped into her well and gave to Jesus. Jesus tapped into his well, gave to the woman. Then the woman tapped into her new living water well and gave to many people. We got some Christians in the church that need to tap into that well and start giving to the people. Not just, oh, I just need to read my Bible. I get so irritated when I hear Christians say my word. You don't write that book. You can't even say half the words that are in that book. I need to go read my word. I need to read my word. Well, my word says, was that different from what my word says? <laughs> this is God's word. Amen. This book exists to train and prepare me to train and prepare others. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul told Timothy, take these things I've taught you in the, in the presence of many witnesses and teach them to men who are capable of teaching others. There's a principle of discipleship, multiplication in scripture. But you have to tap into that well. I was watching, I got hooked on this show recently, pray for me, I get hooked on shows and then I watch all of it like in a week and then I'm, I'm, I'm like that kid who drinks soda for the first time, this is awesome, then it wears off, I'm sad. But I've been hooked on this show called Survivor Man, he goes into these random places and he, um, he survives, he, he lives off the land, and one episode he made an, what's called an Apache match. And in Apache match, you take bark and then you take um, a brush and ember and, and dry dead leaves and you pack them together and you, you tie them up to be like a torch. And then you take the embers from your fire and you pack it in there tightly so it'll keep smoldering so you can carry it a long distance. And then you can start another fire. And I started thinking about that idea of they, the goal of that Apache match was to keep the fire burning. Not to start new fires all the time, but keep the fire burning and a new fire will start as a result of this fire that we've kept burning. See, we often come to church and the Holy Spirit in Acts is is described as a fire. And that's an image that we see throughout scripture. Fire by night, cloud by day, Holy Spirit leading the people. And there's a soul fire that's in us when the Holy Spirit is in us. But often we, we look at this revival, this fire, and we treat it as, oh, well, you know, we can't have all the sinners come to church. Because it might dampen what God is doing here. Well, uh, we can't, we, we don't want to reach out to those people because if they come in, they're going to change the culture of church and they don't get how we do things. Oh, I, I can't talk to those people and invite them into my family because they might influence my kids. 
But here's the thing, is that when you have a fire burning, and it's an inferno, and you've stoked it, you pour logs on it, you're building the fire, there's no amount of dead wood, dry wood, no amount of water that can come that can drench and kill that fire. See, because what he did, Survivor Man, what he did was he built a huge fire because he knew it was going to rain. And so he built the fire bigger, threw a log on it, knowing that the downpour, not just the rain, but a downpour was going to come. But he knew if I build this fire large enough, it won't die. And we often treat the church like, well, we can't have all the sinners come in. We can't have all the, the dry, dead people come in because then that might hurt the fire. But the fact is, if you look at fire, and God, he puts his word in creation. If you look at fire, fire needs dry, dead things so it can burn. You have to have dry, dead things to build a fire. The more you have, the more it builds the fire. This church is full of believers who have souls that are on fire, souls that are revived. And if you bring lost people into the church and they come into this, they can't help but catch on fire. I want to close with with this thought. Some of you might be here today and you, you don't know Jesus. You don't, this concept of soul revival is foreign. I want to tell you today that he wants to bring revival, bring soul revival to you. And some of you are in a place where you know Jesus and you simply just need to go and tap into that well and start giving it away. Because if we as, as a body, individually and corporately are pressing in and seeking daily soul revival, we don't have to pray for God to bring a revival in our city. You don't have to pray for God to revive your city, to bring revival, because you are the revival. He said, I will work through you. God, bring revival. No, go be revival. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for who you are. Father God, please revive our souls and move us. Give us a deeper understanding of this concept of revival that we might pursue you, that we might chase after you, that we might seek a soul revival, a daily impartation from you through your word, through worship, so that we can be the revival that our city needs. We love you and we thank you for what you are going to do in our city, for what you have already planned and predestined to do in our city, the people who you have already seen that, that you are going to save, the people that we are going to reach. Let us not be a church that prays for revival to come, but prays that you will stir in us a soul revival so we can be the revival that our city needs. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information, visit Relevant316.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you have a wonderful day and God bless.